Thank you for tuning in to Carbondale Historical Society's podcast. This episode is part of our This I Remember audio archive. This archive are interviews conducted in the 1980s and 90s by Mary Ferguson, a longtime resident of Carbondale, born in Spring Gulch. These interviews aired on Katie and Kay and were recently donated to the Historical Society by Mary's descendants. The Historical Society wants to thank Katie and Kay, Seven Stars Rebecca Lodge Number 91, Alpine Bank and Meredith and Dan Bullock Ferguson's family, as well as the many other donors and volunteers who came together to save these tapes and make them forever available to our Carbondale community. Enjoy. I remember Mary Ferguson way back in 1984, as I remember, Virginia Squires, who was the manager of Katie and Kay at that time, came up to the RSVP sewing group to introduce herself and introduce Katie and Kay. I told her I was going to write a book. She says, don't write it, talk it. So that's how this I remember became a part of Katie and Kay. My first guest back in 1984 was Virginia Morstein Marks. Tonight, she's my guest again. Virginia, you've had an interesting life, both here and in Europe. Tell us something about your travels, your activities, your interests. Well, um, I lived in uh, uh, Indiana for a long time, and then I went to Washington, D.C. Were you born in Indiana? No, no, born in California, Los Angeles. (laughs) Okay. And... Then uh, my father was an oil man and exploring oil out in California, and so we moved from place to place. And and um, Bakersfield, I remember, and we get out in the storms at times. <laughs> but <clears throat> uh, later, I drifted to Indiana just by uh, uh, my father going out to uh, find oil there. He just knew there was oil in uh, Indiana, and now it has been discovered as quite an oil field, but uh, it was at the time of the Depression, and and, uh, our family lost all they had in a bank account, a bank uh, closure, so uh, I squeezed in a year of college in Evansville College, and then uh, from then on pounded the pavement for work. I had no experience of any kind, and so it was pretty hard to get a job, but about that time the government started the Works Progress Administration and um, I went down to volunteer in the relief office. I asked the social worker if she'd give me a recommendation if I worked there a while. Well, I lucked in because they started the uh, uh, the work relief project and uh, I, I got put on the payroll finally. <laughs> <clears throat> Not much, but enough to support myself. Enough for bread and butter. And yes, and then uh, there was a business college right across the street from this courthouse, and I kept looking at that place and wondering if I shouldn't go to business school. So I did, and, and uh, those were I took uh, typing, shorthand, and uh, comptometer. You know that old thing, <laughs> the first <Yes>. business machine. <laughs> and anyway. Uh, they, after I finished there, they wanted to, 
us to take civil service examinations just to prove that they had done a good job. So I uh, took the typing test and and passed it and wasn't the least bit interested in going to Washington, but <laughs> in uh, <clears throat> 1939 I uh, finally went because I was uh, mad at my boyfriend wanting to get out of town. <laughs> so anyhow, when I, I started my government career in the Treasury Department, typing payroll checks. Can you imagine typing payroll checks? Now they send them all by computers and they uh, uh, push wire, wire transfers and all that. <clears throat> then from uh, Washington, D.C., how did you get to Europe, to Germany? Well, uh, after I, uh, my, my husband and I uh, both worked in the same office, I mean, that's where we met, in the Bureau of the Budget, it was called then, in the Executive Office of the President, and, uh, and that's where I met Fritz. And <clears throat> our sons, uh, uh, Thomas and Robert, were born in Washington in 1952 and 1958. So uh, Fritz was a former uh, German native who defected in 1932, just before the time of the rise of Hitler. And so when he first came over here, he worked from one job to another as a, you know, a pickup job, so to speak, <laughs> until finally he got a job in, uh, at Queen's College. And because of his knowledge about German government and, uh, and um, the German war organization, uh, we drafted him to come and work in, the, in the, the Bureau because we were responsible for organizing the government for war effort. So we felt we could benefit by his experience. So after Fritz retired, he decided to, uh, uh, he accepted a job as Rockefeller Research Professor in Public Administration at Princeton. So, uh, uh, and then they spent a, another uh, year in uh, New York as a uh, at one of the universities there. So, uh, finally, the, uh, the German Academy of Administrative Sciences in Spire kept wanting to get him to come back to teach because he'd been publishing all these years in English and German and his books were widely used uh, in uh, classes of public administration. So this German Academy of Administrative Sciences by the way, I'll try out my German. It's always, my kids have always told me it's not very good, but uh, there might be some German nationals or German uh, descendants who know how to speak German, like Hochschule für Verwaltungswissenschaften. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a motorcycle, not my yeah. bad German. No, that was a motorcycle. <laughs> so <clears throat> they wanted him to come back and uh, and uh, concentrate on their studies in administration because this uh, academy was uh, started way back uh, by Frederick the Great and had to teach his bureaucrats how to govern. But in recent years, it had drifted off towards a foreign service type of specialization. So uh, uh, we decided to go to Europe. We took a trip over there uh, at first just to look things over and then decided to go back again. So.
Did that, you always go with you? Oh, sure. Esther <laughs> Tom was uh, it was uh, ten, and Robert was uh, four, and we had the opportunity to enter them into the American schools at Heidelberg. So well, that's that's an experience for the kids as well as for well, we spent yeah. vacations traveling all over Europe and. Uh, uh, Oh, England, you know, the British Isles and Norway and Sweden and uh, uh, Austria and everywhere. <laughs> and then, uh, then you came back to come to uh, the United States. Oh, yes. Then we, uh, uh, my husband uh, had an accidental fall while uh, climbing, mountain climbing in Baden-Baden and he fell about 200 feet, which resulted in a spinal injury that led to his death five days later. But we decided to stay on in Germany until we'd know what our future plans ought to be. And uh, so I continued working in the, for the U.S. Army and <laughs> as budget officer, and uh, it wasn't until uh, uh, 1976 that we uh, decided to come back. Thomas, in the meantime, had been drafted among the last of the draftees in uh, in the army. It was stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, and uh, I had always done so much commuting by uh, train with my mother from Washington D.C. to uh, uh, California to visit her favorite uh, brother, and uh, so we we went from well when I lived in Texas as a kid we would leave in the at the end of uh, school and go out and spend the summer with my uh, family in uh, L.A. And then, uh, so we rode every train I think there was, the, the south, the, the ones that run through the middle, the, the ones that went through Chicago, and, <laughs> and once we went on the Canadian uh, um, Pacific out of uh, Moose Jaw. Did you ever ride the bullet train in Japan? Oh yes, like yes, yeah, yeah. Indeed, we did. When we were in Japan, we rode on the bullet train. But you know, we really couldn't tell that we were going that fast. No, it just, you don't. I know. You're just there. Period. And the uh, the track just we just seemed to fly on <laughs> on the track. In fact, we had a Japan Rail Pass, and so we we could use it on buses and trains, and and uh, we went everywhere, uh, running up and down stairs and railroad stations. My son spent some time, several years in Japan, and oh, I was fortunate to enough to, to visit him one summer. And of course, the bullet train was one of the things I really wanted to ride, uh -huh. because uh, here we had the little bull of the woods and the little Aspen train, and as you said, it is, it is something, it's, it's speed. Mm-hmm. Well, just like you're flying. Well, um, as I started to say, the, with Thomas in the Army down at Fort Hood, Texas, uh, um, we kept dreaming of, uh, of, uh, uh, of this area to come when we were coming back in time for Robert to go to college, that we'd, uh, we'd come here. So um, uh, while Thomas was at Fort Hood, we... Uh, uh, kept telling him about this, and he went, uh, came out at one uh, leave time and went camping and uh, <laughs> and took uh, 
slideshow of this area between, uh, well, all the way from Glenwood Springs to Aspen and down the Crystal River, and uh, and then he sent us a uh, um, tape, you know, a commentary with his slideshow. <laughs> so he was, could you he say, agreed. hooked with this yeah, territory. He, he was hooked on this territory and still is and comes back every chance he gets from California. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we came out here and uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm one of these uh, train buffs, Mary. And, uh, uh, let me interrupt you right now. And you have the um, Valley uh, This is the uh, train. Yeah. Uh, tell us something about that because that's here, that's home. Yeah. That's important. <laughs> well, I, I ride the train every chance I get. I was recently out in California and came home on the, on the Amtrak. On Amtrak. Uh, but I'd just like to call everybody's attention to the uh, uh, Valley Commuter Train Party and Programs that uh, is going to be here. John Lilly of the Sierra Club Transportation Committee in Los Angeles will be the guest speaker with a multimedia program that includes national and local history and statistics with a focus on rail commuter service in our valley. Now, this is, for those of you who read the Aspen Times, it's on page 3A of the May 18th edition. And then, if you can't get to the Aspen Party, which is going to be at the uh, uh, Jerome Hotel at 7.30 on... Uh, um, I don't know the, the 20, the 20, let's see, where is this? Um, oh, yeah, May the 24th, that's Wednesday, at the Hotel Jerome Antler Bar and Ballroom from 5.30 to 7.30. And it will also be in Glenwood. Yes, if you can't oh, yeah. make that, it's going to be in Carbondale City Hall, Friday, May the 26th, at uh, 5.30 to 7.30. And uh, if you can't make it in Aspen, maybe you can go to that one. And if you can't make that one, <laughs> well, I guess that's all of the public meetings, but John will also be speaking before 60 elected officials, local and regional, who've been invited to attend the same program at a luncheon in Glenwood Springs, Ramada Inn on Thursday, May the 25th at 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I guess that's kind of a closed meeting to certain officials, but... Uh, Anyhow, I'm awfully glad to see this, uh, um, this um, effort, being, effort made. being made because I want to get my, uh, I want to get the commuter train going and the buses going to, from Glenwood to uh, Aspen and get some of those cars off the road. My daughter-in-law is a teacher at Basalt Elementary and uh, I don't like her riding up and down Highway 82 in the morning rush hour, <laughs> evening rush hour. It's a bumper-to-bumper -bumper experience. It, it sure is. Well, what are some of your activities now, Virginia? Well, I uh, have, I'm a um, uh, volunteer uh, at the, uh, at the uh, local uh, senior programs program called the Retired Senior Volunteer Program. And so uh, I have some special preferences that I like to do, and one of them is to uh, uh, do the volunteer income tax assistance uh, and the AARP 55 Alive Defensive Driving Course. Those, um, uh, I, I 
do that every time we get enough people together. It'd have to have 15 or 20 people to, to give it, and I hope to have one scheduled pretty soon now. Then, since I once worked as the uh, East Garfield coordinator from 1981 to 1984, I uh, um, feel like I'm a staff member still, you know? <laughs> so I sometimes uh, uh, relieve the, uh, uh, do office relief when the uh, staff has to be away. And then uh, I'm a member of the uh, Central Advisory Council, which is an advisor to the uh, uh, RSVP director. Mm -hmm. So those are the main things I do. When I first came here in 1976, I think it was the next year, I don't remember exactly, but uh, I'm a resident of Pitkin County, that is, I'm down on the, near the BRV, okay. down the Crystal River, River. and uh, so uh, I decided to run for the Home Rule Charter Commission. Well, I was beat out by 13 votes uh, against Bob Child, our, oh. our beloved yes. uh, former uh. commissioner. <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, after the first uh, charter was uh, did not pass by the voters, uh, the chairman resigned, and then they invited me to uh, uh, join the. Uh, I mean, the commission had the power to appoint a, a, a uh, uh, well, not a substitute, but uh, a new person. I, w I was not to be the chairman, but just the member. It selected its own chairman. Well, anyhow, the the second. Uh, um, charter did pass. So I've always, uh, although I'm about 34 miles from the county seat, I still enjoy going over to Aspen and <laughs> keeping my contacts uh, alive. A disadvantage that the, uh, the counties are so scattered out instead of being one little um, rounded out space from all over the Oh, I think what aspects. they did when, when they made the uh, county maps, they, they just laid, uh, laid them down on the... All of the railroad, mostly. Oh, well, maybe so. But I'd, I've never been able to figure out how... Uh, how Redstone how, got into Pitkin yeah. County and Spring Gulch uh, is in Pitkin County. Yeah. And, uh, there was some uh, talk of some years ago, you know, about... Uh, uh, I think the League of Women Voters was interested in this project for a while about uh, um, Anna having Garfield County annex uh, this side of. Uh, oh, we uh, had uh, with our school system. We have we had Pitkin County, Gunnison County, Garfield County, Eagle County kids in our school. We had two yeah. separate records, uh -huh. but they used Carbondale as their home base. Yes, so that makes the. Uh, uh, this commuter rail uh, very important uh, as well as uh, extending the RTD buses, uh, uh, RTA, I got mixed up with the, yes. <laughs> with the Denver buses, but if we could have the Roaring Fork Transit Authority go all the way down to Glenwood Springs, it certainly would help. We need something done. Mm -hmm. Highway 82 is not taking care of our needs. That's right. So. Anyhow, that's one reason why I'm so interested in this railroad thing, besides being a railroad rider myself. <laughs> well, I think it's great, and I'm glad that there is an interest, and I was 
um, interested to know that John Lilly mm -hmm. is Mary Lilly's son. son. Mm -hmm. And although he lives in California, it's nice to have him come here and give us his expertise. Oh, and he rode the train from California here. Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> so that's. That's fine. That was an incidental because Mary said his train was two hours late. <laughs> well, that's an experience he needs to know. If we would just get more passengers on Amtrak, uh, and that would be great because uh, I know how the the railroad uh, on these long hauls at least are uh, uh, late for freight. I but thoroughly enjoyed the ride to Las Vegas on the Amtrak. Oh. Uh -huh. It was, it was great. You know, I always like some alternative to flying everywhere I go or driving my car, which is now getting too old to take on long trips. <laughs> because I've, I've been here, I had my newest car for uh, three years now, and I've gone 91,000 miles. <laughs> In other words, you don't stay home. Uh, well, my kids used to be over going to school over on the... There's that motorcycle coming back. Yep. Anyway, years ago, I used to take my little fourth graders on the train to Aspen. Oh, yes. It, it would leave in the morning and stay up there while the train was, while the train was there, and then we'd come back in the afternoon. And that was an event. We thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, we didn't have to stay overnight or anything like that. If we went to Glenwood, we'd have to stay overnight. We'd go to Aspen and come back the same day. Well, you know, it's also interesting how people uh, uh, of the generation of my uh, daughter-in-law, Jean, and my granddaughter, Bonnie, uh, uh, you know, they'd never been on a train. So one day I got the bright idea of, of uh, putting them on the train here in Glenwood Springs and going over to Denver and uh, picking them up. Uh, Jean had some business in Denver relating to school and so it was, uh, well, unfortunately that day the train was <laughs> two hours late getting here and then it was late <coughs> getting in Denver, but I, I met the train. I kept calling up every now and then to the dispatcher to find out when the train was expected to arrive. And so I got to the, to the, uh, train station in Denver just in time, about five minutes before it came in, <laughs> and picked him up. It was, it's an event to meet the train, to have somebody get off, mm -hmm. and uh, there's just something special about waiting for someone to get off of the train so you can meet them, take them home. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know. What else do you think you'd be interested in knowing about? Hmm. Oh, I don't. This is just an aside. And, but uh, when I lived in <clears throat> Washington, I used to sing in the go to the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church, and that's at the time that Peter Marshall was uh, the minister there. And so um, we have a. Uh, and but in Carbondale, I go to the United Methodist Church. So. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyhow, I was singing the choir there too. The, uh, it used to be that the, uh, oh, in Washington, which is a great big city, you know, our choir would combine with about ten other church choirs and we'd do such marvelous things in Constitution Hall. <laughs> and now you live in Carbondale. And now I live in Carbondale, yeah. It's, 
And we have one for the Choral Society, the Betsy Skank, uh, I suppose when Betsy comes back from her uh, uh, music degree in Boulder, she'll take it up again, and it's wonderful to she have. She's done so much for it. Yeah, and the choirs yes. here are so good. I think it must be our clean air and I think good so. health. <laughs> I think so. <clears throat> and it's, uh, well, you know, too, you were uh, just right in calling me today because I was kind of lonely. My son, Robert, uh, is visiting in Boulder from, uh, he, uh, from uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, because that, that's where he lives in, in, and is uh, teaching at uh, Brandeis University at the moment near Boston. But he was just here Thursday and Friday and Saturday and left this morning at uh, oh, 8 o'clock. No, I wonder you were lonely. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, was up at the baseball field a little while ago. You know, we were having baseball games. And of course, oh. my son's playing with the Legion team. Oh. And I'm anxious to know whether they won or not. They're playing now. Oh, oh my goodness. And you have to. Will they so be finished by the time? They'll be through, I'm sure, because they start at 4, oh. 4.30. Mm -hmm. But that's a wonderful thing that Carbondale is doing, is to have the summer rec program, program that we yes. have. And of course, I'm a baseball fan, or any other kind of a sports fan. So it's... Well, you know, when I used to come through here on the train, we'd go down, uh, we'd, we'd transfer to Denver, and then we would go up on that long route up through the Moffat Tunnels of the and uh, whether it was winter or summer, and I think one of the most beautiful trips I ever took was in the winter to see the frozen uh, ponds and everything along the, <laughs> the river and the headwaters of the Colorado, and oh, it's just a wonderful place. One of the scariest trips I took in the wintertime was a plane from Denver to Aspen. Oh, it circled yes. over and over and over and over again because it couldn't land. And to look down on all this snow and ice uh, and everything, mm -hmm. it was quite exciting. Did you have to turn around and go back? No. <laughs> we had about five more minutes of gas. He said, if I can't land within that time, you'll have to turn around and go back. Mm. We found the opening and we landed. And of course, when we got out of the plane, it was all covered with ice. Oh. Were we glad to be on the ground? Mm -hmm. You've been listening to this I Remember program with Virginia Moore, Steve Marks. I thank you for coming out tonight, Virginia. Oh, well, that was especially a nice thing to do tonight. Thank you.
coffee. Or can you make your own coffee? I can, I've got a machine on your coffee. Okay, then you can make your own coffee. Yeah. Unless they do it here, it's a better quality. No, they don't do it here. Oh. I got Charlie Lilly to do the coffee. That's right. I get Charlie Lilly to do the coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can get him to. He made some coffee. Here you go. And it's side B. I, uh. I'm gonna probably do a couple of announcements here, so maybe you may want to enter that lobby. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. What is it? I'll tell you, I'll give this to you. You make coffee and then give it back to me. Mary Lily said she was going to listen, so I didn't tell her I was going to talk about John's book. <laughs> Tonight, I am repeating a program that I started a couple of Sundays ago. The cows didn't come home that day. <laughs> This is the Ringing of the Bells by Mrs. Morstein Marks. She is a resident of Carbondale now, but she is a world traveler. And in her travelers, in her travels, she has recorded bells of other countries, e even our own cowbell. So Virginia, tonight, we will finish the program we started. Well, Tell us something about it. yourself first. Well, Mary, uh, I lived in Germany for 16 years before moving to Carbondale in 1976. I loved many things about living there, but one thing I enjoyed especially was the ringing of bells, bells of cathedrals, monasteries, clocks, even cowbells, as you will hear also. The bells strike the hours, the half hours, sometimes ringing much longer for special occasions. I go to Germany frequently when I get a special fare to visit friends and family. My last trip was in May 1990 to visit my sister-in-law who lives in Hamburg. She was quite ill. Since I could not stay long with her, I spent most of my time with friends. Made during my residence in Heidelberg, Waldorf area. I am sorry I don't have bells of Heidelberg. They're only on a videotape. But our program today is possible because my friend, Cliff Sayre, carried a handheld recorder. Throughout the recording, you will hear Cliff and me talking. I didn't expect to play them for an audience. We're glad you're here. <laughs> you will also hear me talking with Cliff, and occasionally I sometimes give a startled grunt when something suddenly came up that surprised me. Sorry, it would be kind of hard to edit those out. So I began with bells from Switzerland. Fritz, his wife, Joni, and I took a weekend to go to Schwelbrunn, an area famous for cheese making. We spent the night in Apfelzell. The first bells you will hear are from the church on the hillside above Apfelzell. And when they, we arrived, the bells were ringing they rang such a long time and when they finished we heard an organ playing so we went into the church to inquire since there was no service in progress so the organist explained that the bells rang 
such a long time because they were ringing in Sunday. <laughs> it was Saturday at 5.30 p.m., so the bells rang for half an hour. Now, I won't play them for you that long, only five minutes. I miss the ringing of our own church bells. We used to hear them every Sunday morning, and sometimes we had to hurry like everything to get there on time. <laughs> we depended on our bells. Well, <clears throat> this Saturday ritual, the organs explained, was to tell the community to remember to go to church the next day. So how about that? You can hear them talking in the background. Hi. I know how do you turn it back on? I don't know, and they, you know they never bothered to bother to tell us how meetings or anything. Okay. All right. trouble on our KDNK and 
I don't know all the buttons to push <laughs> how to get back on. But my guest tonight is Virginia Morstein Marks, and the program is the ringing of the bells. We went off the air with the ringing of the um, bells of Switzerland. Virginia, ready to turn that on again? Turn it back on. <laughs> this is where we left off, I guess. of Switzerland, right? Yes. Virginia and her friends talking in the background in Switzerland. Yes, the church at Epsom's house. This is to remind people to go to church on Sunday. <laughs> probably heard us talking about cows in the field. So next you will hear cowbells. There are lots of cows grazing down the hill from the church, 
and in this region, the cows wear decorated bells which ring as they walk. The lead cow wears the largest bell. Cliff went into which their I field. I have here in my hand. <laughs> to encourage the cows to ring their bells. So in this recording, you can hear him talking to them. Also, there are windy sounds because he moved the recorder amidst the herd. You can hear him talking to the cows. my father used on the ranch up in North Thompson. can tell when the cows are grazing on the hillside by the tinkling of their bells. It's such a pleasant sound. Well, back in Germany, our next stop was at the Erbach Church at bell ringing time. The church is on a hillside just outside of Erbach, the village where my friends lived. So. me being frightened <laughs> or awed. You hear the birds in the background? Lastly, we hear the bells of the dome at Ulm. Now this cathedral has the highest spire in the world. Of course, there was a large crowd in the dome plots, but you will hear them talking. We managed to hear the bells strike anyway. Oh. 
So thought maybe you folks would like to hear a bit of Swiss yodeling. This right. segment is accompanied by something of a bell sound too. <laughs> so. We got more stuff to do.
listening to Virginia Marstein Marks on KDNK. This I Remember program, Mary Ferguson. I thank you for listening, and I apologize for all the stops and starts that we encountered tonight. Ninety point five FM, listener-supported radio in Carbondale. Where else? This is Virginia, and tonight we're starting a new show called This I Remember. And here with me in the studio today are Mary Ferguson and Virginia Morstein Marks, both of the retired seniors program for Garfield County, for East Garfield County. And tonight what we're going to be doing is explaining some of the programs that are going on for seniors in Garfield County, as well as starting our oral history program, This I Remember. So stay tuned, and stay tuned every week because we're going to be doing an oral history show, especially about the oral history of Carbondale. But first, I'd like to introduce our guests. Uh, Virginia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to Carbondale? Well, Mary is the uh, uh, old-timer here, and I'm the new-timer. I've only been here eight years come May, but I came from directly from Germany, where uh, I've been living 14 years. And when my uh, youngest son was ready to go to college, he decided he wanted to go to Colorado uh, University somewhere. So um, one night the boys blindfolded me and put a pen in my hand and, and said, now go put the pen in the map. And so I did, and uh, of all places was uh, Glenwood Springs. Well, that's the story they tell. <laughs> They wanted to ski and climb mountains, and that's really why we came to Colorado. Uh -huh. And uh, I had been here through here many times because when I lived in Washington, D.C., I was always riding the Zephyr to California. And um, uh, once I drove out, and during the war I saved my uh, uh, gas coupons for ages and ages and, and drove out this way, going through uh, Denver and then... Uh, uh, Glenwood Springs and even Aspen and on to uh, Grand Junction where some passengers had a destination then drove on over to California so I was a little bit familiar with the state by this time and when Thomas was in the army down in Fort Hood Texas he came up here one time on a reconnaissance tour taking a lot of pictures and then sending us a tape of his uh, uh, visit here so <laughs> We could hardly wait until he got out of the army and we could come on over. <laughs> well, what do you do now? Where do you live now? You live well, I live up the Crystal River and in the area on the hillside above the BRB. Uh-huh. And, and you're very active in the Retired Seniors Volunteer yes, Program, Yes, I'm the right? East Garfield Coordinator for uh, the um, High Country RSVP. Why don't you say what RSVP is, too? Well, so. RSVP stands for Retired Senior Volunteer Program, and it is one of the three elements in our senior programs office that uh, uh, works in East and West Garfield. There's another coordinator for the West Garfield area. East Garfield is Carbondale, Glenwood Springs, and Newcastle, uh -huh. and West Garfield is Silt, Rifle, and Parachute. <laughs> well. Now, Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been living in Carbondale, and uh, how active you are in the community. Well, I, as she says, I am a native of this area. I started in the Carbondale School as a seventh grader, 
I graduated from Carbondale School. My sons graduated here. My grandchildren have graduated here. <gasps> and my great-grandson did attend school here last May. He loved it very much. He lives in Las Vegas. Uh -huh. This, uh, uh, I am particularly interested in the, this is what I remember part of the program, because I think this area has a wealth of things to remember. I realize there's things that we'd like to forget also, <laughs> but memories are precious and we should share them with one another. Why don't you explain to us how we got the title for the show, which is This I Remember. I thought that was pretty amusing. <laughs> Everyone writes a book in their own mind. Everyone has a book as part of their life story. So my book was this, I remember, uh -huh. using this area and the wealth of people living here and the growth of this community. So what we'll be doing is writing your book on tape rather than have you put right. it down on paper. Right. Well, let's see. Why don't, why don't you explain to us a little bit about the activities that you're very involved in right now? I am particularly interested in school activities. Kids are my hobby. Mm -hmm. I do tutoring. I do um, substituting. And uh, at one time I knew everyone in this community, but it has gotten away from me because we have grown so rapidly. Mm -hmm. So now I'm interested in the community, particularly Carbondale. And uh, when I was asked to uh, even further my interest by taking part as a candidate for the town trustee, I thought, why not? That's great. We'll have to so, get you back on the air and interview you in relation to strictly being a city council chairperson or city. I, I think everybody knows me, or anyway, the kids do. <laughs> well, and aren't you very active in the uh, Odd Fellows, the Rebecca portion of the Odd Fellows Lodge? Yes, I have been. Um, I have been a Rebecca for many, many years. My husband and I joined the Rebeccas before we were married. He was an Odd Fellow. <laughs> you mean that? <laughs> he was a member of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows. <laughs> and uh, wanted me to become a Rebecca, and I have. And it is a wonderful organization. So uh, we have, um, after the... Uh, Sophie Kinzel started near new in her own garage. And as it grew and grew and grew, they moved to many different places. And finally, lost the last place because the owners of the building needed for other purposes. So they in turn turned the, she was working for the Eastern Star, part mm -hmm. of the Sonic Order. And then the Rebecca's took over the near new store and used the bottom part of the Oddfellows Hall for their store. And uh, we now have... what all do you sell down there? We sell anything and everything from Whatever people bring into us, everything is donated to us. We, in turn, donate our time, our efforts, our materials, our money to needy, worthwhile causes. Uh -huh. We have scholarships. We help anyone that we can help. And 
um, we had a lot of fun doing it. That's great. Huh. Well, let's see. Now, another thing that we'd like to do is invite everybody who's listening to tune in once a week for this show, which is called This I Remember. But we would especially like to stress that we would like people who do have memories about Carbondale in the early days to think about being on the show and giving us your memories because they're too important to lose. And now I think what we'll do is we'll get back to Virginia and have her explain a little bit about the Retired Senior Volunteer Program. Yes, well, we have some Carbondale uh, volunteer stations, and I'll name those. We have Meals on Wheels, and Mary's going to tell you a little more about that later. Uh, the Carbondale Council on Arts and Humanities is one of our volunteer stations. Hmm. We do mailings for them occasionally. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce uh, is a station, and they're very, we're very active with them on potato days. <laughs> uh, the near news store has just been discussed. And then the ladies have a sewing group which meets on Monday that makes a quilt, which is uh, raffled or right. each year as a fundraiser. Then they take part in the, uh, have a booth at the uh, mountain fair and sell um, their handicraft items. And that money goes uh, to the Traveler bus, most. All right, to the traveler bus, which is part of the transportation section of. The, yes, so okay. we'll discuss that a little later. Mary will explain the Carbondale uh, setup for uh-huh. the uh, the senior bus, and of course we're very happy that we have can assist the uh, radio station KDNK, and, and I, I hear some rumblings about some things you're going to have for us to do. A little mm-hmm. later on. We couldn't make it without you. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I'll just briefly explain the a little bit about the organization of which we are a part the college is our sponsor so we have our office our main high country rsvp and the senior programs director uh, have offices at cmc at the uh, blake street center Uh, our rsvp director is bernadette julie and uh, as i said we have the two east and west coordinators Then we have the transportation program where we have uh, several full-time drivers. Um, Then the third element is our nutrition program. On Tuesdays and Fridays, we have senior luncheons. Uh, For the people 60 and over, the cost is $1. For young people or people under 60, The cost of uh, contribution is asked of three dollars. In fact, all of this is, is um, contributions are, are asked, but not absolutely required. But three dollars for a hot meal, boy, that's cheap in this valley. And I should say it is. It's the best <laughs> deal in town. It sure is. <laughs> a fully nutritious meal and a chance for fellowship. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, uh, for instance, after the meal, which lasts generally from twelve to one and it's a chance for uh, visiting among uh, people. We try to encourage them to change their table mates every week so so they don't always talk to the same people in sort of little clubs. But after the meals, they have certain activities, social activities like uh, card games. They're learning to play Pinochle and Canasta now. They're even teaching those as well as bridge. 
they have craft groups that make things all year long, and then uh, they have a booth at Santa's Boutique, which is a fundraiser for RSVP. Uh, the first, uh, the next one will be December the first. It's on a sat the first Saturday in December. Then there's uh, sometimes they have bingo. And there is a little a govern, governing committee called the site council that meets after the on cert, at certain times. Another type of activity are tours, slideshows. I'm going on a on a big long trip and went to the Holy Land and to Greece and to Germany. And when I get back, I'll have a slideshow. That's great. <laughs> uh, once a month, they have a dance. Orchestra, um, piano, and um, a few instruments come in and play, and these are made up of seniors. Um, have another time, we'll have blood pressure checks and the sing along. And at the end of the month the, of March, we're going to have a hairstyling demonstration. So you can learn things <laughs> as well as have a sociable time. Already. <laughs> And you're going to give me a copy of the calendar uh, of events that are coming and the yes, menus so we, we can announce them on the air, Yes, correct? we'll give you the copy of the menus. In fact, here it is for March, and you can just keep Great, that and, and read it every week. Sure. Uh, actually, it's on Tuesdays and Fridays, and the dates are on the... Now, can I ask you a question that's probably going to sound extremely naive, but you people are senior citizens, and you've spent your whole life working. When you're retired, don't you want to just be retired and relax? Why should seniors volunteer for programs? You know, when you're retired is when you is when you find out there are no days off. <laughs> <laughs> After being around you two, I'm starting to realize that. <laughs> but but really, why do you encourage seniors to actively participate in your programs? I mean, don't you think they're happy at home watching television? Or Well, we feel that the uh, seniors will derive a deep sense of satisfaction from the volunteer service that they give to others. Um, it gives life a new purpose. And um, you can associate with others like yourself, dedicated to serving people indeed. Mm -hmm. And then you can... Uh, uh, also, you put to use the um, hard-learned uh, talents, skills, and experience to make a difference in the lives of other of other people. And then you meet a there's always a need for human services within the community. And our, our volunteer stations have to meet a uh, be community service type organizations. We they can't be political or religious organizations. Uh -huh. So it's basically just to stay active and involved in the community. I know the radio station really couldn't function without you all helping us with our mailings. So. My grandson says I am not his rocking chair grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> but I find a deep satisfaction in meeting with people, doing things, and I never did like the dust. <laughs> I just let it collect. <laughs> the uh, near new... I mean, the RSVP uh, does a great deal for um, senior citizens and for anyone who has any direct or indirect contact with senior volunteer people. Uh, it is an organization of senior volunteers which is interested in you as an individual and is dedicated in assisting you in any way that it can. 
Uh, if you take part in RSVP programs, you are protected with an accident liability insurance policy while you are acting as a volunteer. If you drive your own car for a volunteer assignment, you may request reimbursement for travel if you so desire. And then you receive recognition mm -hmm. for your own service. Yeah. Joining RSVP costs you only a loving heart. Hi, Bonnie. I'm on the air. Can I get a hold of you? And a little of your time. But it will return to you an enrichment for your own life. Bye. <laughs> well, do you, uh, why don't we break it a bit and have some music? That'd be perfect. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the selection rule here? Well, I tell you, I've heard so many senior citizens say they like to hear some classical music, so I brought along a um, um, Mozart uh, concerto, number 595, and I'm not going to give you a history about that or give you a music commentary because when you hear it, you're going to recognize it. But I will mention that Alfred Brendel is one of our finest pianists today. He was born in Europe, and this recording is um, out, um, with the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, directed by Neville Mariner. Um, I <clears throat> Last fall, I told my son Robert, who is now a student at Berkeley, that uh, uh, KD and KDNK was a community access radio, and it was my wish someday to be a disc jockey. So you're hired. I got I got five albums from him. <laughs> That's great, In, including uh, this. So he wanted to start me out right on my disc jockey career. So I do have these uh, nice things I play for you at later times, and uh, and then I have another series of folk legacy music that mm -hmm. I'd like to bring along. But uh, right now we're going to hear Mozart's Piano Concerto in B-flat, and we, it's in three parts, so we'll break after the Allegro, which and is then going get to be back the first. To, mm -hmm. We'll get back to the RSVP program after that. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to KDNK, which is 90.5 FM Community Radio in Carbondale. Here's Mozart. Remember, a show for and about senior citizens in the Carbondale community, but before we get back to interviewing Virginia Morstein Marks and Mary Ferguson, I'm going to quickly read some community calendar events. CMC is presenting a panel discussion tonight entitled, Ten Years Later, What If Mideast Oil Is Cut Off This Time? The discussion will take place at 7.30 p.m. in the Blake Avenue Center's Seniors Room. Panelists include national, state, and local leaders. The Importance of Being Earnest is also being presented tonight at 7.30 in the Blake Avenue Center Dance Room. This is the final performance of this hilarious comedy written by Oscar Wilde, so make sure you don't miss it. And I'd like to remind everybody that you're listening to the show for and about senior citizens in the area called This I Remember. We're here with Virginia Morstein Marks and Mary Ferguson, and we are going to now talk about the Traveler Bus. Mary, maybe you could tell us something about the Traveler Bus. The Traveler Bus provides trans transportation for seniors over 60, 60 and over, 
the handicapped, the services available in Garfield County to all Garfield County residents. The Garfield County Council of Aging is the advisory council for this program. The, on specific days, dial-a-ride service is available within the towns of Carbondale, Glenwood, Rifle. These are, there are also fixed days for services which provide transportation between towns. Every other, every second Monday of the month, the bus makes a trip to Grand Junction. It leaves Carbondale at 7.45 in the morning. It returns to Carbondale at five in the afternoon. Those who wish to ride on the traveler need to make reservations by calling uh, the Near New or the Glenwood office. On other Mondays at 10 o'clock in the morning, the traveler picks up RSV people who meet at the uh, Oddfellow Hall for sewing, making rugs, quilts, other handcrafts. On Wednesdays, the Traveler bus is a dial-a-ride bus for Carbonell people from 10 to noon and from 1 to 3. On Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Traveler bus will pick up Carbondale people and take them to the Nutrition Center in Glenwood. And it leaves here about 10.15 and it returns about 2.15 in the afternoon. Is this bus equipped for people who are in wheelchairs? We have uh, a bus that is equipped for wheelchairs. Great, and all people, all seniors have to do to get a ride on the bus is call the Garfield RSVP program number. That's in the uh, Glenwood Springs phone book. Yes, it is, but I'll give it to you now: nine four five nine one one seven or nine one one eight. Great, or nine six three nine nine six nine in Carbondale. Oh, the local number. And does does RSVP or who is in charge of the Meal on Wheels program? Laura Fink is in charge of the meals on, in, on wheels in here in Carbondale. Mm -hmm. And uh, these meals are provided by the uh, cafes in town. We, uh, not, now, not, now. not now for the school, we deliver the meals to people who are unable to provide their own meals, cook their own meals or for people who are handicapped in any way. And again, call Laura Fink or any of the RSVP members. Hmm. And the meal will be delivered to your home? It's delivered to your home. The volunteers do that. Uh -huh. We have volunteers who deliver, who pick up the meals at whatever restaurant for the day. And then it is taken to the home and this is an everyday program, not just a two, Tuesday or Friday. Friday. That's amazing. Is there any charge to this for the senior who's there eating the meal? There is a charge. And um, uh, the uh, meals are hot, mm. which is important. 
good. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. In Virginia, you were going to tell us a little bit more about events that are upcoming in the Valley. Uh, yes, right now, a very important thing, ongoing thing that we do every year is the volunteer income tax assistance. Ooh. <laughs> so we have... Um, April's here. <laughs> we, uh, in Glenwood Springs, we... Um, uh, have Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you call in for appointments. In fact, you call in for appointments for income tax uh, all to our office in Glenwood Springs. And then there's um, Newcastle. Town Hall is another place. Uh, then down in West Garfield, they have their own schedule. So since we're talking about Carbondale, we won't, won't uh, give out that number. But... Um, Milton Fink is the star income tax uh, uh, preparer here in <laughs> Carbondale. However, you call our office, uh, 945-9117, to make an appointment with Milt. Huh. Milt and Laura are great people. Get acquainted with them. <laughs> well, I mentioned um, uh, one other thing I want to say is, well, is to welcome the Mount Sopras Historical Society as a new volunteer station. Uh, Mary Ferguson is uh, active in that group, and, and she has got the Memorandum of Understanding just signed, and we have several volunteers working on that uh, committee or society, <laughs> and uh, now we can take the credit for the time they're spending on that. Now, so welcome again, Mount Sopras Historical Society. Could I stress that if there are any non-profit tax-exempt corporations out there that are discovering that they need assistance in getting mailings out or telephone surveys, you should really get involved in RSVP. They've been just tremendous for us here at the radio station, and it's, it's a nice way to get to know the people in the community as well as get some work done. It's wonderful. But. Well, I'll continue with these few little things that are going on. Uh, our program is, uh, the whole senior programs are funded by uh, federal funds, state funds, county funds, and and fundraisers. And city, <laughs> and city funds. All of our yes. cities are very good in helping yeah. us with mm -hmm. this program. And then we have such things as uh, uh, raffles, and we, we've got uh, uh, two quilts donated by the, uh, by the uh, Silt uh, Sewing Group that uh, they're donating for, uh, for raffling. So it's going to be a county-wide raffle for two quilts, so watch out for our people going out and selling tickets and buy some. <laughs> These quilts are beautiful. Um, and so an, and another fundraiser, Dr. David Hill, is going to give a mime performance on April 6th and 7th at 8 p.m. at Colorado Mountain College Blake Street Center, and all of the proceeds will be donated to the senior programs. Um, another um, uh, thing coming up. The, this year, the uh, Glenwood Springs is having its second um, set of seminars on marriage, family, and sexuality. This year, they will all be held at the CMC Blake Avenue Center on March 30, 
through April 1. And the theme of the seminar will be connections. Now we have um, two sections, one called on the Saturday the 31st called Financial Planning for Later Years. That deals with um, building your net worth and retirement income, living on a fixed income, retirement benefit options, and the types of investments and tax consequences. The presenter for that's going to be Sumner W. Schachter, an account executive of Betcher and Company. Now the second half of that sec section is going to be the who, why, when, and how of wills and other estate and death planning considerations. The presenter is a local attorney, Dan Kirst. So folks, don't neglect that one. You've got to get your house in order, <laughs> young and old people. <laughs> Sunday, April the 1st is going to be a section on health maintenance in later years. The first part, nutrition, adequate exercise and weight control, bodily changes in older adults. And the presenter, I'm glad to say, is going to be Bonnie Sherman, the Garfield County Extension Home Economist. And the next half is going to be your doctor, your medicine, and you, and presenter Mary, uh, Shirley McClellan, the nutrition site manager of the CMC Senior Programs. I know one of my favorite seniors in Carbondale, Libby Smith, is very active in the uh, senior and pregnant women exercise class that's held here in the Dinkle Building. Oh, yes. It's great. Now, another uh, thing coming up is uh, the um, American Association of Retired Persons has been, uh, um, in the Glenwood chapter, is going to sponsor a uh, widowed person service. Now this, a certain number of people will be um, given training in assisting widowed persons. What kind but, of assistance are, will you be giving here? Well, uh, the whole, uh, we are using the um, American Association of Retired Persons uh, program and that deals with, uh, with uh, having people talk out their problems. Uh, it has to do with um, um, making your plans for your future. Mm -hmm. It has... Uh, so this is emotional assistance yeah, and it's, support. It's, it is, yes. It's wonderful. And the people... Um, we need 15 people to get a group together for training. Now, are these the, widows also? Yes, the people have to be, uh, the, the people who are taking the training need to be widowed for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, they can be of any age. It doesn't have to be an older person. Oh, sure, especially on Highway 82. There are a lot of young widows <laughs> yeah, out there. Yeah, young widows and widowers yeah. on Highway from and the mines. 82. And the mines. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would imagine that the people who are in the training will also benefit incredibly from this seminar. You know, that oh, yes. it will help them a lot. And so another, um, th this is going to take time, however. We ha we've had about seven people call us and express an interest in taking the training, and we can't request a trainer to come in until we've got 15 people signed up. And the, the uh, RSVP will have, um, will be able to provide a, a telephone answering service. Uh, uh, this is not a crisis center, so we're not open 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, but during the regular office hours, we will take uh, calls and transfer them to the people that should be getting them. Mm -hmm. And the uh, program will be uh, coordinated by a uh, community organization made up of uh, all pastors, morticians, uh, representatives from, old, uh, from uh, retired citizens groups. And it doesn't, uh, those people don't need to be widowed. They can be uh, anybody that has a, an, an interest in a, has a community uh, position that, that would uh, be dealing with this sort of problem. As a, one of my friends uh, who was on the first organization committee says, Look, do I have to uh, divorce my wife to be on this? <laughs> I said, well, of course not. <laughs> well, those are some of the things that are that are before us. Um, oh, and every uh, or did we mention about the St. Mary's luncheon? Is no, we haven't. The uh, St. Mary's uh, of the Crown um, gives a senior luncheon on the fourth Wednesday of the month. And uh, the traveler comes over, picks up the people who uh, need a ride to the up to St. Mary of the Crown, and it's just such a wonderful uh, fellowship and possibility of uh, having a good meal and a lot of fellowship and a nice program. Should seniors make reservations if they would like to attend that luncheon, or is it they need to let the driver know mm -hmm. so the bus will pick them up? But the church itself can handle. However many seniors. Well, I think they have an idea of what their patronage uh, is, and uh -huh. they, they go from there. There's a modest uh, contribution asked to. Ah. Well, do you want to go on with the second element of our uh, Mozart Piano Concerto? Sure, and then we'll ask Mary to tell us some of her memories of what it was like growing up in Carbondale yeah. as a young girl. Well, we'll listen to the Largo. It takes about seven minutes. Okay, here we go. Minutes before seven o'clock. I'd like to remind everybody that they are listening to KDNK 90.5 FM. My name is Virginia, and I'm in the studio with Virginia Morstein Marks and Mary Ferguson, and we're doing our first show tonight, a show of oral history and senior citizens' concerns entitled This I Remember. At 7 o'clock following this show, the classical music will continue with Jim Groh. Now, Mary, you were going to tell us a little bit about your memories of growing up as a girl in Carbondale, being one of the few natives of this town. I remember when we had one school building, a two-story building that housed first grade through seniors in high school. Now we have four buildings, and we still do not have enough room for the people who have come here to live. I remember when uh, the Darien Ranch had one house on it. Now there are some, well, 60 or more houses on that property. Hmm. I remember when the Wall Place had one house on it. The Fenders, Ray Fender family still lives there. But look at the 50, 60, 70 houses around there, plus the uh, new mall which is great. Mm -hmm. I remember when our property across the railroad tracks had one house on it. Now it has 65 homes on it. Our milk barn is a house. Our chicken coop is a house. <laughs> our uh, harness shed is a house. 
there are houses all over the place between here and the river. What kind of ranching did you do? Or did um, your family do? Milk cows, dairy oh, cows. Holsteins. Holsteins, and they are temperamental cows, I can tell you that. Nevertheless, the Aspen Dairy came down and picked up milk along the way from here, from Aspen down and back. Hmm. And you milked at 4 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Boy, that's amazing. So it's... uh, Was this, was the dairy coming down then in a horse-drawn carriage? No. And picking, no? No, they had a milk truck. And a milk truck? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. That's awfully early to be getting up in the morning. Well, we'd like to we'd like to thank everybody who's called in tonight and told us that they like this show. It's always nice to get some positive feedback, and I would like to stress that this show is going to be a weekly feature at KDNK. We are going to start doing some oral history next week with Mary Ferguson, and we're going to be talking about what she remembers of Carbondale's early days. So please stay tuned. And now we're going to get back to Mozart. Oh, we'd also like to say goodbye and thank you very much to Virginia Morstein Marks. She will be leaving RSVP program as of March 15th and taking an extensive trip to the Holy Land in Greece. And she'll be stopping back in Carbondale for a little bit to get back on the show. And then she's traveling the United States for another year. So it's going to be hard to keep up with her. And well, so, I'll stop by now and then and, and uh, be a disc jockey. You better. <laughs> New wave music. I'll have, I'll have to uh, come back to play the uh, final uh, section of this Mozart piece. That's true. Well, the Allegro, it's 18 minutes long. What we're going to do is we're going to get back to the Allegro section of this Mozart piece and thank everybody for staying tuned. I'd like to remind everyone again that you're listening to KDNK, 90.5 FM, and where else but community radio stations would you hear a show like this, I remember. Thank you, and I'd like to thank both you ladies for joining us in the studio tonight. We've enjoyed it very much. All good. This is Mary Ferguson. This I remember, Katie and Kay. Tonight, my guest is Virginia Morstein Marks. She has just returned from a visit to Germany where she had lived with her husband for many years. She will tell us some of the things that are happening now and some of the things that have happened before. She will share her memories with us. Virginia Morstein Marks. Mm-hmm. Well, our family lived in Germany from 1962 to 1976 and moved to this area when my younger son had been admitted to the University of Colorado at Boulder. <coughs> we have relatives still living in Hamburg, Germany, and some very good friends connected with the military school in Worms. Now, I try to get to Germany every couple of years, and fortunately, some airfare bargains seem to come up periodically. So, I have, I had seen mention on TV about one of the airlines offering such bargains. So, I stopped by to my travel agent's office and learned that I could make a round trip from Washington, D.C. area for $480 plus tax. So I sealed that deal right then. Well, you should. (laughs) Without even consulting with my expected hosts. I knew they would be home because Joan is a teacher in the American schools and would be there in October. So when I telephoned them a couple of days later, I learned they were happy to have me come. Well, (coughs) I took an excursion to Washington, D.C. early in October, 
to <coughs> attend the annual meeting of former employees of the Office of Management and Budget, where I used to work. The man who organizes these events had not arranged for a special speaker, <coughs> so he asked that we share some humorous events from the past. That's so always interesting when you hear other people yes, with their memories. Well, some I knew and some I didn't, but anyhow, I knew who they were talking about. <laughs> person after person told stories about their experiences, all of them funny, and it turned out to be the most interesting meeting of the group I had ever attended, and such friendliness. <laughs> well, I was staying with friends in Beltsville, Maryland. Both were students at the University of Maryland, so I saw them only in the evening, but this left me free to circle the Beltway and meet old friends from the past and to visit my favorite uh, museums <laughs> and other sites of interest, places where I used to live and things like that. How long were you on that trip? Well, I, <laughs> I see, I left, left uh, here on the 7th of October, of October and uh, this special meeting I'm speaking of was held on the 9th, and then I, I didn't go to Germany until the 15th. So you so had, I had time plenty to of time mm -hmm. to roam around. So I arrived in Frankfurt on uh, oh, midday, October 15th. I liked the fall there because of the color changes and less heat, but <clears throat> it happened to rain almost constantly for the time that I was there. But that didn't stop us, so it was great for the flowers. <laughs> rain, shine, or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. My friends live in Pfeffersheim, a small village about half an hour drive from Worms. Now, that city is spelled W-O-R-M-S and pronounced Worms in German since the W beginning W has the sound of V. So I was amused that many in the American community said Worms. So imagine living in Worms. <laughs> living in a town called Worms. <coughs> well, the cathedral at Worms is where Martin Luther preached. It is located near the old town wall, a part of which remains today. There is a crypt under the uh, altars where former royalty uh, are buried. I believe uh, uh, 981 was the oldest of the uh, crypts. That's a long time ago. Yeah, so these, of course, were all uh, royalty. Royalties yeah. of that time. Uh, also in the town center is a huge stump of a tree. You couldn't reach around it. Where Martin Luther had preached to the townspeople. Not those that came to church, but the people who were hanging around, <laughs> like they do in Carbondale, sitting around. The tourists, in other words. It is known as Luther, Lutherbaum, the Luther tree, and is carved with objects to show him with the people who gathered there. And then ivy is growing all around it. It's very pretty. <coughs> Excuse me for coughing a bit, but I'm just getting over a, a cold. Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, this cold. has been the last couple of days. Of course, we visited Heidelberg and Waldorf, places where we had lived. Everybody knows that Heidelberg is famous for its beautiful castle on the Neckar, the old bridge, and the Philosophenweg on the opposite hillside. Philosophenweg means philosopher's walk. It is well named. One can either drive up part way and try to find a parking place at the road closure, or just climb the whole thing on, on a footpath. The views do inspire contemplation. Now, Waldorf, uh, our other home, 
is where John Jacob Astor was born. There is a marker near the cathedral showing a statue of him, and there is also a museum there about his life. He emigrated to the United States and lived in Astoria, Oregon, and established a fur trading business. A few years ago, I was visiting relatives near Goose Bay, Oregon, and decided I would return to my flight out of Portland by driving up the coastline, which is so beautiful, and go through Astoria to see if I could find a memorial to John Jacob Astor. Sure enough, <coughs> there is a small park with the remains of the fur trading post, the cashier's box. Isn't that something? So with his fortune made in northern Oregon, he built the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City and named it after the two places of his former residence. Well, that's really an interesting point, too, the Waldorf Astoria. Yeah. yeah. Germany and America. Uh-huh. So on our first trip to Germany in 1947 to visit Fritz's father, who was 90 years old and ill, we stayed at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and sailed out on a ship. <laughs> uh, <coughs> in Washington, D.C., my husband and I had worked in the same organization. He was a special assistant to the director, and I was uh, in another division organizing courses in budget administration, which we uh, gave to budget officers in the departments so that we could uh, develop a uniform system of budgeting. <laughs> So, <clears throat> I helped organize those conferences. Uh, then, when he retired, he taught at Princeton University and Hunter College in New York City. So, uh, all these positions were substituting while some professor was on uh, uh, leave, leave to teach somewhere else <laughs> or travel. So, this led to a lot of commuting. He would come home one weekend on a bus, and the kids and I would go on the train the next weekend to uh, Princeton or wherever it was. No dull moments. <coughs> Excuse me again. On school holidays, then we had time together. Fritz was always writing books or sections for chapters for books in public administration. Many of these are published in Germany. In the German Academy of Administrative Sciences, uh, which was really the Hochschule für Verwaltungswissenschaften, had been trying to get him to teach there for some time. Finally, we made a special trip to Germany to see what the circumstances would be and whether the kids could enter uh, the American schools and so forth. So we decided to make the move. I was able to continue my federal employment by working for the headquarters U.S. Army Europe in Heidelberg as budget officer in the logistics division. The place where Fritz worked was in Spire, an historic medieval town about 30 miles from Heidelberg. We would drop him off at the railroad station where he took a bus to Spire. Then we would pick him up at about 6 p.m. in Heidelberg. <laughs> living, this was not every day. It was uh, a couple times a week. So living in Germany gave us the opportunity to travel to the nearby countries during school vacations. <clears throat> Now a bit more about the Hochschule. It was established by Frederick the Great to teach his bureaucrats how to govern. And uh, the students that go there are employees of the bureaucratic system now in Germany. So when the school was first uh, established, it was located in the old part of Spire. But as time went on, they built a campus 
out on the edge of town. So <clears throat> offices are located in the main building with lecture halls and a very large auditorium for lecture classes. We visited the school on my recent trip and learned that the student body had grown so much that it is necessary to build a new dormitory next year. <laughs> the school was not in session, so we were shown about by the administrator who was getting things ready for the opening in early November. The conference room where the professors hold their council meetings has been refurbished and expanded somewhat. <clears throat> Along one wall, photographs of professors who have died are posted in a row. Fritz's picture is among them. <clears throat> when we lived in Germany, I always took my vis visitors to favorite medieval town, Rotenburg am Tauber, Tauber being a river. <laughs> The wall around the town has been reconstructed since it was destroyed in World War II. You have to climb stairs to get to the walkway, but it provides a great way to see the whole town. The houses, the gardens, the cobblestone streets, church towers, for instance. It is kind of slow walking on the cobblestones down on the streets. There are now so many visitors to Rotenburg that the streets have barriers up, so you cannot drive through until about 5 o'clock when they remove the barriers. <coughs> so residents have a private entrance at all times. Now this uh, another word or so about the cathedral in Spire. It is really a landmark. The building stones have been sanded and cleaned up so that you can see the light and dark stones clearly. In the tombs, in the floor beneath the altar, as again like the one <laughs> in the forms, but here, there are tombs of Holy Roman Emperors. Those buried are identified on a, you know, a, a map structure of the whole area. And the dates go a long way back. Now, when you're going to Spire, you drive through a, a small village called Schwetzingen. You know, it's really the place to go and see the castle, see the gardens, and have tea, and so on. And see the cars. <laughs> uh, a beautiful castle is here on a lake with gardens in the rear. Of course, there are ducks and swans on the lake and much statuary. One of the occupants of the castle built a Roman wall and aqueduct near the lake. He put it there after he had made a trip to Italy and had seen such things. No. Well, let's see. Sugar beets are a major crop in this part of Germany. Every day we saw the farm machinery harvesting that crop. And another change surprised me. The grapes are harvested by machinery now instead of hand picking. You know, sugar beets were raised here in Carbondale, too, for some time, taking oh, the place of potatoes. Oh. But, hmm. uh, and in this section of the country on the western slope. Well... But they don't do it now. No, they don't raise sugar beets now. Well, anyhow, I had not seen that before. So, <clears throat> well, for either lunch or dinner, we ate at so many restaurants in towns, beautifully situated on high mounds with cathedrals and bells striking the hours. But another thing about, you know, Germany doesn't have... Uh, non-smoking sections in the restaurants. Oh. And it seems to me that everybody smokes. When we'd go home from going out to dinner, we'd have to take off our coats and hang them in the outside <laughs> in the wind to <laughs> take the odor out of them. 
but I was very surprised at that. Only one place, in the, uh, our favorite eating place in, in Navaldor, where we lived. Uh, he built, the, the owner built a new restaurant and uh, house and uh, in where the bar was, the loud music, that's where the smokers were. Uh, uh, then there was an additional room that was uh, non-smoking. Oh, it was delightful. <laughs> <coughs> oh, there were other little things that uh, I might mention, like, uh, of course, you've heard about the uh, neo-Nazi movement, but I, while I was yes. there, I didn't see any demonstrations or any problems. Papers are full of it. Yeah, I know, and I guess there's something special on, it, on, the, on the radios tonight. Uh and then another thing, when we were traveling over into East Germany, which I will give you some detail about, I kept noticing all of these fine cars that were traveling over. Well, those with the, uh, in Germany, the license plates are uh, abbreviate the cities, like HD is Heidelberg, MA is Mannheim, WO is Worms. But uh, a lot of those were fine cars, but they were obviously just visitors. But the thing that surprised me was to see so many Mercedes and BMWs with LP on the license plate, which meant Leipzig, which is uh, over here in East Germany that was poverty-stricken. <coughs> so I just figured there must be Westerners building these... Uh, Developers. ...attending the restoration. <coughs> mm. The climax of my trip was going through East Germany. I didn't see any remnants of the Iron Curtain because that had been torn down, but some of the guard towers remain. The roads are very bad and are being rebuilt, so there were lots of 20-minute delays. Signs were posted regarding the scheduled completion dates, like 1993, 1994, we hope. <laughs> and there are also big shopping centers being built, no doubt, by Western, uh, Western Germans. developers. Mm -hmm. So we went to places I especially wanted to visit. Leipzig, where Bach lived and died, and Wittenberg, where Martin Luther had tacked his theses on the castle door. When we got to Leipzig, it was later than we had expected due to the traffic delays. We saw flashing blue lights, uh, traffic lights, uh, out with police signaling the stop and go. Of all things, the Queen of England had made an unscheduled stop. She had come from Dresden. And so we made it out of there as fast as possible, knowing that there's no hope to, for rooms in the town that night. Besides, Virginia has a special treat for us because she has a recording of Bach. That, um, well, I want to tell you a little more about this. <laughs> we made it to Dubin, a town... On the way to Wittenberg, which was quite, very quiet, we inquired about a place to stay and were told a bed and breakfast was just across the street. The complex was a brand new motel built beside the old Gasthaus. We found rooms there. I stayed in the new place while Cliff stayed in the old place. Next morning, we had breakfast served in the old place. The tables were stuffed with every possible breakfast menu and also what I would consider a luncheon menu, so Cliff and I made a sandwich to take along for lunch. After we registered for our room, we went across the street to a guest house for dinner. We learned that <coughs> we were in a, in a historical place, 
It turned out to be the oldest surviving Gasthaus in Germany. It was originally an abbey, which had been restored many times and was now an attractive large one-room restaurant. The next day, we went to Wittenberg and saw the place where Martin Luther had tacked his theses on the castle gate. Once again, construction was going on at the gate and the cathedral adjoining. The tower was covered with scaffolding and plastic where they were working on reconstruction. So on our return back to Leipzig, the crown of my visit, we went to St. Thomas Church where Bach had been organist and director of the boys' choir. Also, he was buried inside the church near the altar. The church is now being restored as well as the statue of Bach just outside the church. Oh, and a r rather interesting, when the parking lot where we had to park to go into this uh, cathedral, the, uh, uh, there was a uh, big black monument of uh, Stalin. <laughs> I guess, I don't know whether that will stay up as a historic monument or whether it will come down. Well, anyhow, while I was there in the St. Thomas Church, I purchased a tape recording made on the church organ. So we shall close by playing a portion of the tape, which contains several familiar chorales by Bach until our time runs out. The preceding this I remember, November 29, 1992, Mary Ferguson with Virginia Morstein Marks, KDNK-FM, Carbondale, Colorado. Thank you for listening to another fantastic installment of This I Remember by Mary Ferguson. For the full archive of all of the episodes, please visit carbondalhistory.org. If you would like to be able to search through the entire transcription library of all of her episodes, please email info at carbondalhistory.org. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Subscribe.